Hey everyone, Trevor here with a quick programming note before we start the show. First, this episode is super late following some work craziness and about a COVID, so thank you for hanging with us while we sort the episode out. Second, we tried some new microphones this episode with varying degrees of success. The sound quality isn't super consistent. I've done what I can to tweak it. There's some really good conversation about the topic and some really fun asides, despite the variable audio quality. It is what it is. Okay, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Writing and Robots. Welcome back to Writing and Robots yes. <laughs> after a bit of a hiatus. A podcast dedicated to the joy of writing from stephanieannauthor.ca and Love Make Share. I'm Trevor. I'm Stephanie. And we're we're back. Yes. We live. Uh, amazingly. <laughs> I I'm not sure how my voice sounds compared to usual, but I have been sick for the past week. Yeah. And apparently the older I get, the more prone I am to laryngitis when I get sick. So that's fun. It doesn't work quite as well recording a podcast when one of the hosts has no voice. Yes. Um, and I was fully prepared to record last time until Mark came <laughs> in to wake me up at, I want to say, 9 a.m. And was like, do you want me to text Trevor that you guys need to reschedule? Uh, so yeah, that's, Yeah. <laughs> It's all for the better. Mm-hmm. We need to not burn ourselves out too bad. And like this came hot on the heels of me just being just miserably ill. Mm-hmm. Whole family kind of had a, an ick. So we're healthy, more yes. or less. Um, and we are talking about writing mm-hmm. when writing is your day job. Yes. Um, not always the easiest thing <laughs> to do. But before we get into that, it has been a while. Yes. The last time we talked, we were in the throes of NaNoWriMo, mm. and you, you started NaNoWriMo as the <laughs> pantser who planned. Yes. How did that end up? It was, it was an experience. Um, I don't write with such a firm outline, usually. Mm-hmm. And even with the outline plotted where my story was going to go, what each chapter was about which character to put the focus on for each chapter. And then as I was writing, I kept having to make edits to the outline for future chapters mm-hmm. because the way I write, just everything went crazy. <laughs> do you write in a generally linear format? Like, do you start at the beginning and work your way to the end? Or is yeah. it kind of, like, all over the place as you have ideas? It's mostly linear, okay. but especially in that first draft, I do get very stream of consciousness. Okay. And, you know, especially given whatever the topic is about. And in Modern Hauntings, I had a lot of moments of dark nights of the soul and introspection. (laughs) Why did I become a ghost hunter? And so I had those very stream of consciousness moments where I just let the character talk. And in my outline, it would just say, like, Jackie talks about this. Sometimes I think my favorite note that I left myself was chaos ensues. Um, (laughs) That's a totally valid point in an outline. Meat puppets. Just vague notes because I know that the way I write I start with a basic idea and I just kind of let everything flow through and Mm -hmm. then it's in editing that I'll go back and be like there's a great idea in here I just need to beef it up or this sucks let's cut it the only things I had really planned in detail were some of the gory bits because I had such a specific (laughs) image in my mind of like how I wanted the cows to look 
very much the cows in the movie Isolation meet the thing from John Carpenter's The Thing. So very like messed up zombie cows with limbs where they're limbs. Maybe they like the taste of flesh. Uh, So yeah, I had a lot of fun with the cows, but the cows aren't the only monsters and ghosts in that story. So I had different levels of horrific things. And that was fun. Cool. So in terms of just like a, a postmortem on the, the planning process, like it sounds like you outlined and then revise your outline mm-hmm. as you found stuff in Discovery, yeah. which to be clear is still like, that's still a totally valid way oh, of outlining. 100%. I feel like there are a lot of people who see that pantser planner dichotomy mm-hmm. and are like, I have to adhere a hundred percent to my outline. Yeah. No, that the outline is a tool and the outline should evolve as the project mm-hmm. evolves. Um, but like useful, not useful on balance. I think for a project like NaNoWriMo, it was useful because I've got a strict timeline I'm trying to adhere to. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, the beginning of November, I did not think I was going to make it because some stuff happened with uh, one of my contract clients. Okay. We were dealing with some technical issues that we still can't entirely figure out what's <laughs> going wrong. And we thought we knew, turns out we were wrong. And so that first week of trying to troubleshoot, like, what is happening here, I had days where that caused me to lose scheduled writing time. And then there were other days where I was so exhausted from all of the back and forth emails, the surprise phone calls, right? that I was like, I have no brain to write. And even with this outline in front of me telling me what I need chapter, I do not feel creatively capable yeah. Of building this world because I'm just dead. That's another thing that I think, mm-hmm. like, even I as, um, like, an outline apologist <laughs> and an advocate for planning projects is, like, it's also not a panacea. Yeah. It's not going to solve all of your problems. Mm-hmm. It can solve several problems yeah. that otherwise you would have to deal with after the fact in, in the edit. But... It doesn't fix the challenges that come when yes. writing, like when writing is also your day job or job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it was helpful to have that outline, especially for the last week of November, where I'm like, okay, I need to write three chapters of this today. When originally I had only yeah, yeah. budgeted for one or two because I'm that behind. And thank goodness I've got this outline telling me like where to go, what to do, who to focus on. But then I would have those moments where I still went rogue. I'm like, nope, this no longer works based on what yep. I've written previously. So that's a long and complicated <laughs> way of saying, I guess I veered more into planter territory <laughs> by the end of the month. That's cool. And so you won. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah, I think I, oh, I should have written down the official word count, but I think I'm like <laughs> just over 50,000 words on that. And so is that the end of the story or did you reach the end of 50,000 words? Oh, I reached the end of the story oh, nice. and the word count. And what was important to me was reaching that end because the final scene was the first scene I pictured when I came up with this idea. Oh, cool. And so a lot of the character development in particular was building up to that scene because I had a very specific sentence in mind that I wanted the big bad ghost doctor to say, <laughs> but I needed to build up to that yeah. so that that sentence makes sense and it's not just coming out of nowhere. And I think I did it, but that's also something where I'm going to have to go back and edit and <laughs> make sure 
that bub stop that everything <laughs> sorry today today is a chaos cats episode yes the uh, cats are trying to eat the microphones uh, because of course they look like toys yeah. and the earbuds and the mouse yeah and my water yeah oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's why i've hidden my cup where it is because uh i know someone's going to try to chew on the straw at some point i feel like having cats interfering with the process is just an occupational hazard of being a writer well and i have worked them into my branding because (laughs) they are that involved uh if you have seen me at a craft market you know i raise money for cats Mm -hmm. i if you follow me on tiktok or instagram you have seen my cats like i have worked these little bastards into my branding because they get that involved. <laughs> I look forward to Modern Hauntings to Crazy Cat Lady. Oh my god, yeah. Ooh, I can make that work. <laughs> if anybody can. Yeah. It's you. Um, <laughs> speaking speaking of other work that you've done, I'm looking at a book on your shelf, oh, Steph. Oh, yes. Do you want to talk about it real quick? Yes. The book Trevor is referring to, and I don't know why I'm turning around to show the audience when there's no camera. <laughs> Falling. We're, we're pretty enough that we could do a video podcast yeah. at some point. That's just a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I think we would need to not be hovering over my kitchen counter. Too. Yeah, we would need like a set. Yeah, if you guys could see our little makeshift recording studio, it is a thing of beauty. It's mostly cats. Yeah, it is mostly cat. <laughs> there is quite literally a cat feeder um, with, yep, she's going in. She's going for a snack. Uh, but yeah, there's a cat feeder to my left. Uh, so the book, Falling Apart is now in print. Yay. What is falling apart? So it is a collection of zombie stories. Um, It literally just birthed itself. I was going to say, I didn't even know this one was coming. I I didn't either. (laughs) Um, It just happened. It kind of started with uh, some auto crit writing challenges. Uh, For some reason, the prompts led me down some very post-apocalyptic routes. Sweet. And zombies and i had three random zombie stories that i had written for these writing challenges and then i have cold cuts and cigarettes which i had published as an ebook only Mm -hmm. uh, because it's too small to appear in print on its own if i were to print that it would just be like a little pamphlet and then uh, you know that one i could have waited to publish in a collection you should do zines (laughs) yeah like (laughs) that touches both the writer brain and the maker brain at the same time we anyway, could. Um, let's not commit ourselves to anything. <laughs> let's give ourselves more projects. Yeah. Um, but because Cold Cuts and Cigarettes is actually based on my family, uh, I was inspired by my uncle's funeral. Mm-hmm. That one, it was important for me to just publish right away. And so now I'm thinking, okay, I suddenly have all of these zombie stories, and then I have this zombie ebook why don't i just make Mm. a collection of zombie stories and i pulled some existing stuff like hank's cabin from they see and casey which used to be my reader magnet for my newsletter and then just to build it up a bit more i wrote a couple of flash fiction pieces um just threw all that together and it was the collection that just kind of came into existence by surprise and Mm -hmm. i even have this section at the beginning uh Kind of in the Stephen King style of like, <laughs> here's a little few page message on my thinking behind this book. And yeah, I go into the fact that I used to hate zombies. I thought 
They were the most boring horror monster <laughs> possible. And then suddenly I find myself with all these zombie stories and figuring out which parts of zombie stories that I like. And I love post-apocalyptic fiction and zombies fit well into that. And then also with the collection, I was like, okay, some of these are not zombies in the traditional sense. But they're zombies my way. And they may not be the freshly dead risen from the grave. But they're like almost dying but still falling <laughs> apart. So yeah, I had fun with that. Awesome. Well, I uh, I have it waiting for me. <laughs> for <laughs> when I have any brain to read things. I'm looking forward to checking it out. I, I like I like zombie. Like you, I find mm. like a lot of zombie fiction fairly exhausting. Yeah. But when it hits, it hits hard. So cool. Let's dive in. So why don't we start by talking about the kinds of writing that mm. we do for our day job? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I feel like I've been talking a lot. So I think it's your <laughs> Fair turn. Enough. Okay. So my deal is um, I lead the education team at a national not-for-profit, which means I do a lot of writing for resources, web, e-learning, designing presentations and workshops. And in all of that stuff, I have to wear a writer hat. I also have to write, uh, wear an editor hat. I also have to wear a developer hat. So there are like multiple modes of writing that have to happen at any given time. Because I have uh, a small team, I do a lot of reviewing stuff and that can look like reviewing the things that I talked about. It could also look like reviewing policy. It could also look like reviewing forms. It can also look like, you know, there are all of these pieces that go into the program that we run. Um, so while I didn't do nano, I wrote or edited uh, a nano's worth of work mm -hmm. in November, which is why I don't do November nano because I just, I can't do it twice. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that would be a lot. And like, I want to be clear, I love the writing I do. For, it is using different muscles. And we'll talk kind of about like pros and cons of writing for your day job when you're also a creative writer. But it does like at some point, there's no rubber left on the tires. And you mm -hmm. kind of have to recognize that is going to happen and yes. plan around it. Also why I'm such an advocate <laughs> for planning, right? Part of part of project planning, which is part of my job, is is identifying when you have capacity to do things. And November... <laughs> I do not. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of annualized stuff that hits in January. Mm. And a lot of um, like the policy and documentation that we need isn't available until October. Yeah. So the run up to the end of the year <laughs> is just is is kind of a three month sprint. And having done November Nano before, uh, I have regretted it. <laughs> uh, November Nano at this particular job is not great. It is not a great experience for me. A lot of different modes mm -hmm. of writing, a lot of different ancillary things around writing, editing, developing finished resources, mm -hmm. right? I get to kind of use the the suite of tools that I have available to me in terms of design and audio production mm -hmm. and, um, you know, graphics and interactive media and, 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 and to produce these finished products. It is expressing your writing in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into like, the good, the bad yeah. <laughs> of all that in a, in a minute. Your day job. Yes. So the bulk of my past work experience has been in customer facing jobs. And yep. unfortunately, with a lot of that, there has been abuse 
both from grumpy clients who think it's okay to yell at you. Hey, public service announcement. Don't be a dick to retail workers, especially around the holidays. Or receptionists. (laughs) Also. Yeah, it's not fun. And then also in a number of jobs I've had, abuse from staff and bosses. And sometimes didn't realize how bad it was until I left. And so yeah, my previous reception job that I recently left in July, I was being treated well by the people I was friends with at that job. There were some views in management and I realized I could not take it anymore. And I had also hit the two year anniversary of my self public. And I spoke to my husband, hey, Uh, If I take on some contract clients um, so that I can work from home and a bit of stuff to pay the bills. Are you okay if I just leave the workforce to focus on publishing? Uh, Which has been phenomenal. Uh, For starters, I'm now not losing two hours of my day on commuting. So I have that much. That's all right. Yes, I love that. And not being treated like crap. And I got to choose my two contract clients. One of them is a tattoo artist. The other, uh, he works two jobs. One, he does coaching and consulting for government. The other, he is a part-time professor at a college. Basically, I do virtual reception work for them. Okay. I manage their calendars and their schedules, and I handle their emails. If there's someone they don't want to talk to, I'm the one who does that. (laughs) Uh, So it's a very, very specific tone of voice I have to get in. And because both of them are in fields, you've got the tattoo artist where I can be like, yeah, totally, this is great. I mean, I don't write my emails like that, but you get the point. (laughs) As opposed to if I'm dealing with clients of my other contract client, I have to use a very specific professional tone of voice. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, all of my previous reception jobs have prepared me for this because I have worked reception for completely different fields of work. I've been the more casual receptionist and I've been the more professional receptionist. So let's, do you want to dig into tone and Mm -hmm. voice for a second? Because I think that this is one of the major benefits Mm -hmm. to writing professionally in terms of like it feeding your creative writing. Mm -hmm. Being able to pick a voice for an audience and remain consistent with that voice and being able to revisit that voice Mm -hmm. as needed is a really, really valuable skill, especially Mm -hmm. if you, I guess both of us, tend to work on several projects at the same time. I was just doing the mental math. In a day, I can cycle through about five different tones of voice. Yeah. I have to keep the five voices separate throughout the day. And I have structured my work day in a way that allows for that. And also what's great about having so many customer facing jobs throughout the past 15 plus years i have spoken to all sorts of types of people (laughs) yeah it's it is so valuable for professional writing but also creative writing because i have heard all of these different voices and i can pull from that and something um when i was getting back into my writing more intensely during all the pandemic chaos of 2020, uh, there was a story I had submitted to a community writing challenge where someone commented that like, they were really impressed with the character dialogue because it sounded so realistic. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, because I was pulling from voices that I had heard. Yeah. I always have voices in my head. <laughs> this is why I write horror. Yeah. 
it is such a benefit to be able to not just speak speak to different people to to absorb those voices Mm -hmm. but also to be able to write for others Mm -hmm. i think that like writing for yourself first is a very valid way to approach writing yes i think having a very clear idea of your audience is super beneficial like we talked about Mm -hmm. this a little bit in the nano prep episode right it's like when i go into a project i tend to know exactly who it is Mm -hmm. i am writing for and when we're developing a new resource or if we are redeveloping an older Mm -hmm. resource then we're always doing a needs assessment for our audience and it's like what first of all what is what is the pedagogy what are we trying to teach but also how are we going to be expressing this to our audience that is going picked up on and accepted right Mm -hmm. where are we going to um where are we going to write directly to them and where are we going to write kind of above and beyond and ask them to join us Mm -hmm. And being able to pick and choose like where we are going to, um, where we're going to maintain a very kind of expected voice mm-hmm. and where we're going to push. That's a really fun and useful exercise, yes. I think. But yeah, having a clear audience in mind mm-hmm. and practicing writing for different audiences absolutely equips you better for creative writing because developing that sense of audience mm-hmm. helps you develop sense of voice yes. and helps you develop consistency. I remember when I was starting to do research into self-publishing and so many of the sites and blogs and everything that I looked into talks about you need to write with your target audience in mind. Mm -hmm. And this goes for the emails that I send, even booking someone for a tattoo appointment or a consultation session at the government level. I have to know who I'm talking to. And with self-publishing... At first, I was like, well, you know, I can just write the stories that I want to write. It's fine. I don't get this. But, you know, the more practiced I became with the world of self-publishing and the more I got back into writing in 2020, I'm now at the point where if I'm at an event, just from talking to someone who comes up to my table, I can tell pretty quickly if they're part of my target audience. Yeah. Because I know who I'm writing for now. And yes, some of my stories I'm still writing for myself. But I am also part of my target audience. <laughs> because yes. I fall into the age group that I write for. Yep. Which is really convenient and helpful. But yeah, there was someone at... Uh, it was when I was doing the book signing in Indigo. He came up to my table... And the funny thing with that event is because of where I had been placed, I'm at this table that says Indigo on it. Um, A lot of people assumed I was staff at the bookstore. Like, (laughs) I am so sorry. I am here for a book signing. Like, I'm selling my books. But it's okay. Like, I have gotten to know the staff while I've been standing here for a few (laughs) hours. I can help get you what you need. I can tell you who to go to. So this guy came up to ask me where something was because he thought I was staff. And I was like, no, sorry, like, this is what I'm here for, but here's how I can help you. And in talking to him, like, within a minute, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to try to make a sale (laughs) to this guy. Turns out he was not as big a horror fan, but he's like, yeah, my girlfriend really loves horror. I think she'd love your books. Can I get your business card? Like, absolutely, you can. So... Like, or you could get books. Yes, you know, <laughs> and just buy it her. for your girlfriend. <laughs> but yeah, so knowing like, okay, maybe he doesn't like horror. But apart from that, 
he's the age group that I want. Yep. He's the type of person that I want. But now knowing that his girlfriend likes horror, like, ah, yes. <laughs> I would like the two of you to follow me on social media, please. <laughs> so, yeah, it's writing for those people. Yeah. And, yes, it is effective. I, I want to talk about, like, a potential con that I've noticed mm -hmm. uh, in my writing is that when you are so in the mode of um, of picking a specific audience, you're going to write and be like, hey, I'm writing for a middle grade audience, mm -hmm. and now I'm writing for a professionalized yes. audience, and now I'm writing for uh, an audience of adult learners, and now I'm writing for an audience of whatever. When you are hopping from mm -hmm. voice to voice to voice. I have noticed when I just sit down to write just cause, there's a bit of a flattening of my default voice. I don't think, like I have to, I have to put on my own authorial mm. voice yeah. when I'm just writing for kicks. Mm -hmm. because there's just kind of an averaging, like the default yeah. voice is kind of absent mm -hmm. a little bit. And it has, it is something that is, is practice and I have to kind of fit myself back into because otherwise my experience is just like, I'm writing for this person. I'm writing for this person. Yeah. I'm writing for this person. But what does it look like mm. for me? It, it's kind of gone away a little bit. Yeah. I, I feel that too with my own stuff, especially now that I am quite literally writing to make money. Right. It's like, it's been so weird with the writing prompts, even just for the podcast mm. where I'm like, I am not writing this to be published. I am yeah. writing this to put on a website for free forever, but it's still part of my brand. Yep. So I still have to keep with that. And it's weird. And I find the core Stephanie without all the voices just doesn't really exist anymore. Interesting. Because yeah. now, even if I write for myself, there's still the like, I have to keep it on brand. Right. And because I am the product I am selling to the world, in a sense, I have yeah. to like, there's a, a weird blurring of the lines in it's, some. It's so interesting because like everything I do for work is for publication, mm -hmm. which is just something that it just occurred to me because yeah. like you, you have been prolific recently and I'm not going to lie. Like as uh, on the one hand, I'm like celebrating how much stuff you've mm -hmm. got out and I'm like, this is incredible. And like, I feel like your work keeps getting better. Every I'm time. even shocked. <laughs> yeah. But like, but like, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of jealousy as yeah. well. I'm like, I would, I would love to have more of my stuff out mm -hmm. there. But like, it, ju it just occurred to me that like, I am not the product I'm selling. Yeah. But literally everything I do for my day job is for publication. Mm -hmm. and It goes out to like tens of thousands of people. So yeah. I'm like, maybe, maybe I should be a little easier on myself. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you break it down that way. <laughs> a little way. bit easier on myself. More people are reading your stuff than are reading my stuff. True. Sometimes they're told to do so, is the thing. I mean, like, there is some <laughs> compulsory... If someone wants to tell people that they have to read my stories... Oh, I'll tell people. Yeah, I'll tell I, people that I they wouldn't have to read mind. Your stories. Yeah, yeah it's okay. compulsory reading. I'll start knocking on doors. <laughs> Hello, have you heard about our new religion? <laughs> One of those little books. square readers. <laughs> Be like, pay first, ask questions later. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> um, even... Like, just down to the TikToks, and I, when I, again, when I was looking into all of the ins and outs of self-publishing back mm -hmm. in 2020, and they're like, it's okay to have a presence on all social media platforms, but you need to pick the main ones to focus on, yeah. because you can't spread yourself thin. So yes, I have a Twitter account, X. <laughs> um, do I use it? 
Not really. Yeah. I've even been debating whether I want to keep it, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm increasingly incentivized to not be on yeah. X. Yeah. So I, but in those early days, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, the TikTok, and we're just going to see where things go. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that I am a millennial who is not hip with the youth, I've done pretty well <laughs> on TikTok. I have made book sales from TikTok. That's like, good. So you're seeing conversions. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'll put all my energy into TikTok if this is what the people like. And they've got those like this time last year, this is what you posted. Seeing the videos I made in 2020 and 2021 compared to what I'm making now, back then it was like, yes, this is what the TikTok of an author is supposed to be. And I am doing what I think the people want. Uh, It was when I started displaying the most unhinged side of myself (laughs) that people were like, Ah, yes, we would like to read her books. Oh, a unique voice. Yes. Yeah. So looking back on some of those old videos, I'm like, man, that was bad. But now I just dial up my crazy. (laughs) So it's still me, but it's the weirdest parts of me. But it's a voice that you put on. Yeah. You practice through. But it's also still me. So it's another one of those like blurred lines things. And totally. I wear weird stuff sometimes and I have clothing with fun patterns. And sometimes I'll make a video that's all about my books and I'll get all these comments like, I love your shirt. That's so awesome. I'm like, (laughs) not the point. (laughs) It's not the point. But also, this is who I am. If you go to an event and see me at a table. This is just what you look (laughs) like. And using that towards my branding. Mm -hmm. Because um, past two events I've done at the Square Lemon Market in November, I had on this cute 1950s style dress with black cats all over it. And people were coming up and just had to see what you were selling because I love your style. I'm like, thank you. Now that you're here, buy a book. No one would ever say that to me. (laughs) (laughs) And then for the event that I just did for the comic book shop uh, like a week ago, because, okay, full disclosure, I am very behind. I am not caught up in Doctor Who, but... With all these Those specials are pretty good stuff. I'm not caught up. I'm, good. I'm really disappointed in myself, especially <laughs> since my first tattoo ever is a Doctor Who tattoo. So we're just going to pretend like yeah, I act- TARDIS is at your wedding. I know. So we're going to pretend that I have my shit together and that I'm not behind in all of my TV shows. Um, on that note, some- <laughs> The one show I'm not behind on. <laughs> some friends are very disappointed to learn that I have not yet watched the fall of the House of Usher. And they're like, you were yeah. the- you were the one person we expected to have seen this already. <laughs> like, I know I'm behind. Anyway, I digress. Because I was getting caught up with all of, like, I'm still following all the Doctor Who stuff on Instagram. I know what's happening, even though I haven't <laughs> seen the shows. Um, I have a Van Gogh Starry Night dress with matching socks. And I wore a TARDIS necklace. So I was very oh, Van Gogh, amazing. TARDIS look. Love it. Because it was at the comic book shop. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to dress in themes. And yeah, I had just other vendors at the event going, your outfit is so perfect. I needed to talk to you. And, you know, maybe I'm not a fan of horror, but like, I love uh, like, yeah. so me dressing crazy is now and part of the brand. It's part of the brand and it's you, but it's also for the audience. Yeah. Um, I want to take two seconds and make a, a quick mid episode recommendation mm-hmm. yes. because you talked about Dr. Who Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. I think it's Tony Curran. Yes. Who plays Van yes. Gogh in that. He is an incredible 
He plays an incredible character in one of my favorite not very good shows, which is Sci-Fi's Defiance. I, okay. Do you remember Defiance? Hell yeah, I do. Tony Curran. He was brilliant. Is incredible yeah. in that show. I, I only watched season one when that came out because the potential for that show is so great. Like oh, the, yeah. the world building, I... I was both obsessed with it and disappointed by it. Yes. But God, <laughs> that is the experience of God that show. Goddamn, Tony Curran. Sometimes I still think about that show. I'm mm-hmm. like, maybe I should get back in and just try to power through the seasons that I missed. And I still think about it. I, I have them. I own them if you want to borrow Hell them. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Wait. No, Tony Curran. Okay, my first ever experience with him is another arguably not the best project. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. I didn't realize he was in that. He is the Invisible Man. Oh, well. (laughs) Well, exactly. But whenever I saw him in anything else after that, for the first while, I was like, oh my god, it's the Invisible Man. And he was... I mean, he is my favorite You're talking about seeing the Invisible Man in other projects. Well, it's... Because I know you, what you mean, though. I, I do this when Mark plays video games. I have a knack for recognizing voices, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, he's playing the new... I think it's... I don't know. I'm not a gamer. God of War thing that just came out. Okay. I, and, I don't know. Yeah. It's, like, not a full game, he was saying. I just, There's probably a gamer in the comments going, like, this is what it, <laughs> it is. You're wrong. How do you not know? I don't but, own a PlayStation. That's, um, that's why. I don't play the Gods of War. Yeah. Uh, Mark loves having me around for any games that involve mythology because mm-hmm. I experienced mythology in reading and I was in the classics club in high school. <laughs> I am a nerd. And so Helios comes up and he pauses. He's like, who's Helios? And like, it's the sun. That's all you need to know. Yeah. And so I'm sitting behind him because uh, he moves his gaming chair in front of the coffee table when he's playing games, okay. and I'll sit on the couch behind him or on my big reading chair. I'm still there. We're just doing our own thing. And I'm listening. I'm like, I know that voice. It's Crispin Freeman, isn't it? <laughs> and I look it up on IMDb. It's Crispin Freeman. Um, so I think that hearing Tony Cran's voice as the Invisible Man. Gotcha. It's very distinct. And it's the Invisible Man. What else are you going to focus <laughs> on? You're not going to go like, oh, what lovely hair he has. So now when I hear that voice, like, that's it for me. It's such it's such a good voice. Um, and it's very recognizable. But yeah, uh, I'll take your word on the Invisible Man. I've yep. not seen League of Extraordinary <gasps> Gentlemen. That. But listen, any movie that like makes... Uh, Sean Connery not want to act I feel like is probably something like if there is a project that makes a prolific actor be like you know what I'm done he, I kind of want to see it do you I know love, what he turned down I love ambitious disasters I really love things that make a big swing mm-hmm. and just whiff yeah sci-fi's so, defiance being yes. one of them big swing did not connect <laughs> yeah yeah apparently Sean Connery turned down Gandalf in Lord of the Rings because he thought Leave Extraordinary Gentleman was going to do better. Brutal. Yeah. You know what? I knew that. He did that because he previously turned down Morpheus in The Matrix because he didn't understand the script. Oh. And that crushed, right? Yeah. So it ended up, instead of being Will Smith and Sean Connery, it ended up being Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne. And of course, The Matrix became what it became and birthed this whole 
new genre of cool mm-hmm. that nobody knew existed. And he was like, okay, the next thing that comes my way, yeah. if I don't understand the script, it's probably going to be a hit. Yeah. And so he <laughs> said yes to, to LXG. Yeah. All the, like, I love that I haven't seen the movie, and yet that is a piece of yeah. trivia that I have in my head. This I, is how I, I adore the movie, and part of that is realizing that it's not the best thing ever, but... It's one of those like core memory things for me because <laughs> it was when my mom and I started to watch a lot of movies together. It was back when you could rent DVDs from the video Ooh. store. Um, this is always such been such a good experience. I, I, I miss it. Some of the stuff that I watch just because I'm like, this looks cool. My mom, huge Sean Connery fan. Mm-hmm. And I was just slowly starting to get into literature. I think I had, like, just read Dracula for the first time. Okay. So I see this DVD at the Rogers Video Store. And I'm like, Mom, this has Sean Connery. And it's got Mina Harker from Dracula. So we should watch it because it's going to be really cool. And I did not know it came from a comic book. Um, I was just like, oh, cool, literary characters. This is awesome. And I loved it. Although I was not as um, well-read back then, I had no idea who Moriarty was. So okay. I did not understand that plot point at all. <laughs> and yet I still rewatched the film, not having a clue who Moriarty was. <laughs> and then, of course, after I read all of Sherlock Holmes, I'm like, oh, this makes so much more sense. And it's still not best film ever, but it's still one of my favorites. And I'll defend and it. that's okay. That's yes, okay. Yes, I have since read the comics. Don't worry. <laughs> this has been an, a very extended aside, so we should yeah. we should pivot. <laughs> yeah, back. we have gone so far off topic and so many yeah. times. Today. You know what? We're getting into the holidays. Yeah. It's been a busy couple of months for both of us. I've been I, I loopy feel like off we're... of Nyquil for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're we're allowed to have an episode that's mm-hmm. a little loose. Um, but to pivot back, I I, I want to just like I want to just hit a little bit of a lightning round yes. of really positive things about mm-hmm. writing for your day job yeah. as it pertains to your creative writing. Mm-hmm. If you were writing all the time, that is practice. Yeah. Like advice that people always give about how to be a better writer mm-hmm. is you read a lot and write a lot. And yep. if you're writing for your day job, you're doing both of those things literally all the time. Yeah. You get really, really good at absorbing information and turning it into other and mm-hmm. turning it into text. Yeah. Right. And you cannot you cannot shortcut your way or speed run your way to mm-hmm. practice. It is just about volume. Mm-hmm. And like I am a significantly better writer because I write. like I I always wrote in my spare time, but it was when I lost my job at the beginning of the pandemic and I actually got sick, not COVID, thankfully, at the beginning of the pandemic. So after a few months of moping, like, oh, woe is me, lost my job, don't know what's going on, the world is on fire, got back into writing. The moment I started being able to write whenever, and not just, oh, I have a spare 30 seconds, I can shovel something in. Yeah, yeah. Like, I could just write whenever I wanted to, and I could write as much as I wanted to. That's when I started to notice that I was actually Proving. Yeah. Um, I even remember it was like early on, you were beta reading some that what you've read a lot of my stuff. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, your writing has really gotten stronger since the last thing I read of yours. And I'm like, cool, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just volume. Yeah. And so to kind of add to that, when I was a kid, I went to this young authors, young illustrators conference. 
I forget which author said this. I was very young. Not everything stuck. But he kind of added on to the whole write every day advice. And he said that doesn't mean you need to sit down and write a whole novel every day. Sometimes it's okay if what you're writing every day is just your grocery. You're still writing something. And especially now that I am writing every day for work. And like when I was sick, I did not have the mental capacity to properly edit the tunnel, right. which is what I'm working on right now. I realized I was a little loopy sometimes. So I didn't take off because I'm a workaholic, but <laughs> I reduced my work significantly. And even when it was, you know, I told both my clients, I will only be available to answer emails during these hours and this we cover. I would just have their email inboxes open, coloring. And if I heard an email <laughs> notification, I'd be like, oh, I'll just, you know, do an email. And then, nope, done. Okay, back to my coloring book and a horror movie. So yes, I didn't hit my self-publishing, writing, and editing goals, but I wrote some emails. And on the week- You kept your hand in, yes. as it were. Yeah. And on the weekends, because I'm a workaholic and I have had to promise myself and my husband that I'm not going to overwork myself and burn out again because I've done it before and I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if I'm writing for publication every day of the work, I should not be doing that on the weekends because I should be resting, but I might write a social media post. Yeah. So I'm still writing every day, but I'm also being mindful of don't burn out. Because if you burn yourself out on writing to the point where you never want to go back to it, hmm. that's a bad thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get more into like the bad <laughs> of writing for your day job. To that, do you find that like when you are writing for your day job, writing just kind of begets writing? If you are in the practice of writing, you are kind of inspired and encouraged to continue. Like you yeah. develop a certain amount of inertia. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going, I'm writing. Yeah. I'm just going to continue writing. Yeah, and I mean, I have the problem that a lot of uh, neurodivergence face uh, the uh, executive dysfunction. Mm. Sometimes that rears its ugly head, and I'm like, nope, sit at your damn desk, uh, which is one of the problems of working from home. I'm like, oh, I'm not inspired right now. I'm just going to go do some dishes. It's fine. <laughs> like, nope, sit at your damn desk during work hours. Thankfully, I have a cat who screams at me every time I so much as get up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. <laughs> a so, benefit to having the cats around. Yes, so she keeps me working. But man, on those days where I'm like, yes, everything is like, can't find the words right now. I'm making motions with my yep. hands where everything <laughs> right. is perfect. I'm like, yeah, I just fired off all these emails and now I'm going to edit and oh yeah, I'm really on a roll and I know how to fix this chapter. And ooh, now I've got an idea for the short story that I want to write this after. Oh crap, I've missed lunch. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but yeah, you get, you get both days. You get the days where you get so into it that writing begets more writing and you're like, oh no, I haven't eaten anything. And then the days where it's like, this is my job. I yep. need to treat it as a job. I need to keep my butt in the chair. And you don't want to do it too bad. You have to do it because you chose this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both days definitely exist. Mm -hmm. Like with everything, there yeah. are no hard and fast rules. Mm -hmm. um, other than planning is good. But <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> embrace the chaos. <laughs> um, but like, on that note, I think planning is a really mm -hmm. is a skill that you practice yeah. writing for your day job. You have to know when you're going to do writing. Yeah. You have to know what it is you're going to write. You have to be able to 
you have to be able to fit the projects yeah. you are doing into the time that you have available. And if it's going to be a longer term project, then mm -hmm. you have to be able to chunk it and identify when yeah. you're going. To. So as you are doing all of this volume, mm -hmm. you learn to plan how you use that. And I, I do joke about like embrace the chaos, go rogue on your plan. Um, Which is, a, again, a yes. totally valid. If you could look at my desk and my computer desktop, the planning <laughs> I do, despite being against plan. I'm like, okay, I was sick this past week, didn't meet any of my editing goals, obviously, because I was prioritizing my health. Next week, I have written down how many chapters and which chapters of the tunnel I'm going to edit each day um, in order to maximize my productivity because I've just randomly done research on like what hours are best for creative <laughs> work and what hours are best for emails and analytical work. I break out my workday so meticulously. I have several alarms on my phone telling me, oh, this, this is fascinating yeah, to me. Yeah, it's weird. So, But it's like, it's not fascinating because I think it's weird. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating because like that, that is not like the, the hours that you mm -hmm. use for creative work yeah. are wildly different than the hours that I have available for creative work. Oh, so I... <laughs> my thing is like, okay, I need to do as much advanced work as I possibly can and as much like digesting yeah. of the thing as I can so that when I have whatever time I have, mm -hmm. I just go. Yeah. Right. Because that's, that's the time that's the slot that is yeah. available. And I, I am very aware of that because sometimes I will be getting ready for bed and I'll get messages from you about the podcast or something. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, it's Trevor's creative time. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll stay up a little and message him or there's, been the odd time where I'm really tired. I'm like, this is a tomorrow problem. I'm going to reply to him tomorrow. And, and to be clear, if I am ever messaging you at absurd times about <laughs> the podcast or about like, you know, I mean, if, I'll be asleep. If I'm editing so. something, you're like, yeah, exactly. But it's like that, that is the mm -hmm. first opportunity I yeah. have that day to do something that is not work or family related. But it's also when we have a partnership like this for something like the podcast, it's being mindful of the other person's schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Like I knew you were going to be busy in November. So for the podcast we did for that period, I was like, okay, when are we meeting up? We got to get this in the calendar yeah. before Trevor gets swamped. <laughs> um, you have three kids to take care of. I do not. I have screaming cats it's completely but, different but you you run your own business yeah so like it's not like you don't <laughs> yeah. also have considerable demands on but your... like i know because i have the freedom to message you right. whenever i want during the day of hey i had this idea or hey just checking in that we're still doing this i can message you whenever i want but i have to be mindful that you don't have the same daily structure that I do. Yeah, I might see it, but yeah. I may not be getting back to you for about seven hours, exactly. depending so on what time. Of the I day know, message. like, okay, Trevor hasn't seen the message and it's been six hours. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm so offended. He doesn't want to work with me. It's like, yeah. no, he will get back to me when it's for his schedule because our writing schedules are not the same. Okay, my my list. Oh. We have taken this lightning round and made it a yeah. little bit more of a rolling thunder round. I think. I don't even um, know that I've looked at my list, and yet I have still <laughs> managed to bring up points that I wrote down. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really impressed. Your screen has been off, and, and yeah. I see your notes on this side of my screen, and you've been uh, way through. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Structure is important. Oh, mm -hmm. wait, that's for email writing. Oh, well, I mean, it's... <laughs> I mean, structure is important when you write emails. Yeah. But I think, like, we're, we're talking about 
planning a little Mm -hmm. bit and like it's not just about planning your day and planning your schedule but like one of the reasons that I'm such an advocate for planning your projects is because and this is to transition to uh, another point here it's like if you've got um, if you were doing corporate writing, mm-hmm. then there's going to be an approvals process yes. and there are going to be other people who you have to get to buy in. So before I start anything, there is a planning process that functionally gets mm-hmm. signed off on, right? I have a certain amount of autonomy uh, and a certain amount of discretion to direct the activities of the team. Mm-hmm. But for bigger things that are going to require buy-in of time and money from the organization as a whole, yeah. I have to produce a pretty detailed plan of what it's going to mm-hmm. Like people need to know what I'm building before I commit the team to months of development mm-hmm. on something. And it's the same with self-publishing. Like, I have digital post-it notes on my desktop. They're all color-coded. Um, <laughs> one of them, I have literally planned out my writing and editing goals until December 2024. Wow. And obviously some of that could change because I have left some flexibility in some areas of like, Hey, maybe I'll get this done sooner, but like, this is when it has to be done because skull daddy is in the hands of beta readers right now. I asked everyone to try to get me their feedback by January 1st. I gave them two months. One person, uh, read it twice in one day and then gave me his (laughs) feedback by the end of the day. Um, super valuable feedback too. So it wasn't like, Oh yeah, I just read it. Like, very valuable. So I appreciate this person. But I know that I'm going to be expecting comments from people in Mm -hmm. that week. And yes, like with every beta reading thing, there's always going to be some people who just never get back to me. I'm used to that at this point. But I'm expecting that first week of January is when it's all going to start trickling in. So I'm going to spend January doing my whole post beta reading process. Right. And I have a month in mind for when I would like to publish Skull Daddy. So I know, breaking everything, (laughs) I know January has to be for that round of editing. And by a certain time, I have to get things off to a developmental editor and then plan to make changes from that and get it to a copy editor. All so that I can have this short, it's not a short story, this novella Mm -hmm. published by May at the latest, because that is the timeline I have set for myself. Now, if I am ahead of my goals on anything, I would love to get that out. But I knew that time I sent it to the beta readers, April was a bit too close, given everything that has to happen afterwards. Mm. So it's all about planning and structure. Yeah. I love that you brought up beta readers, because that ties into planning. But I think that writing for your day job Mm -hmm. and in corporate writing, like what I do, you have to learn collaboration and compromise. Yes. I have my notes. I can't imagine what it was like reading my notes, Steph, (laughs) and just seeing the phrase ego death as its own (laughs) bullet. I mean, it's, yeah. (laughs) But like, there's a certain amount of like, when, when you are so much in the grind of producing an outline, getting feedback, making changes, producing drafts, getting feedback, making changes, mm-hmm. going to publication, getting translation done, right? Mm-hmm. Providing feedback on that, getting revisions, um, you know, soliciting feedback yeah. from your audience after publication, revisiting things, revising mm-hmm. things, producing new versions. There is a beautiful thing that happens where you are just like, the product is not... Yeah. Um, and weirdly that has kind of <clears throat> like, I love, um, I, I, I love, I love all of my creative project. Um, but wow, they are really not me. Like mm-hmm. they are not extensions of myself. Yeah. I am not putting my personal self-worth mm-hmm. into them. 
because like I just want them to be good. Yeah. I want them to be successful expressions of the thing that I was trying mm-hmm. to express. But like my self worth is not tied up in them, mm-hmm. and that is um, kind of a beautiful place to mm-hmm. be. I think. Yeah. And that sense of ego death absolutely comes from corporate writing and not creative writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to learn not to take things personally. Um, especially like when I started out. I thought, because I had so many short stories, I was like, yeah, I'll be the kind of author who submits my short stories to all these publications. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, rejection, rejection, rejection. You learn to build a thick skin with that. And yeah. then I was like, nope, I'm going a different route because this isn't working. And I found a route that worked for me. But I'm still glad that I had the experience of trying that out. Yeah. But, yeah, with any level in the editing process and beta reading, you're going to get people, whether they're right or wrong, leaving you comments for uh, beta reading for coping mechanisms. For the story Silver. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone, with the exception of one beta reader, gave me the same feedback. And the majority was just like, yep, this is so gross. That's a whole lot of nope. Ew, fuck no. Um, that one person said, "Mm, I don't really like the characters. And sure, that is valid. That is a valid opinion to have. It would be so easy to be like, oh no, this one person doesn't like it. But... The preponderance of evidence is that you are having the desired effect. That was one person that the story didn't land with. And that's okay, because I can't write to impress everyone. Totally. And it's worth asking the question of, why like Mm -hmm. why didn't it work for this one person or why did it not work Mm -hmm. for this subset of people and you should explore you should absolutely explore Mm -hmm. but yes you can't take it personally Mm -hmm. and you can't take it as gospel yeah and then even just uh recently during preptober uh Mm -hmm. i was taking part in some autocrit community challenges could submit your stuff on their live stream for one of the outline challenges they read uh one of my character outlines so i did this whole thing on the main character, Jack, and she is trans, and that actually gets worked in the story in a very specific way. But for the purposes of that outline challenge, obviously I can't write a whole novel's worth of character development and be like, here's right. the plan that I have for her, and here's how the ghosts will make her suffer. And one of the points that uh, Daniel reading it on live stream brought up was like, hey, I've seen, I've seen you've written this, just be careful that you're not making her being a trans woman being her only like character trait. You right. want to avoid that. Yeah. And it's like, yes, I totally get what you're saying. However, I know that I'm going to use her whole backstory leading up to her transition to tie into why she became a ghost hunter. And then it also ties in to stuff that happens later on and the way people treat her throughout the story because of who she is and how that creates additional conflict so i couldn't let myself be discouraged at that point because a the person reading it did not know the whole story yet yep. but b i still had to be mindful of his comment of yes i cannot reduce jackie to just she's trans and that's the only interesting thing about her yeah because i mean a that's just not a very interesting character at all if they only have one thing of note and b especially nowadays you don't want People being like, well, you know, you're just doing it to be woke. So, and it's like, I mean, it would also be bad allyship to just oh, be God, like, yeah, yeah. Just uh, can I just say, I'm so glad that the feedback that you got mm-hmm. was 
you know, functionally make sure you're not being a bad ally. Oh, absolutely. um, Rather than make sure that there's like a very specific reason in Mm -hmm. here for her being trans. Otherwise you shouldn't do it. Because it's like some people are Mm -hmm. just trans. Some people are just queer. Like just in the way that like a hat is not a personality Mm -hmm. or whatever, like a gender identity is not a personality, but also some people, that's just who some people are. Yes. And so it is just as valid to want mm-hmm. to include mm-hmm. the whole spectrum of human yes. existence just the same way that it is mm-hmm. like to want to include the most common yeah. elements. Of and family. I find... Es- I'm glad that that was the feedback yes. you got on that point. Especially working the horror genre. That mm-hmm. is something I have to be so careful of because I am on... The queer spectrum. You, you don't want to be burying your gaze <laughs> exactly. by accident. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to represent people like me, but I don't want to be accused of, you know, I kill off everyone that I can in my stories, not just the gays, <laughs> but I don't want someone to be like, ah, uh, you only killed off this character because, like, they're trans or they're a lesbian. Yeah. And I had that problem when writing Skull Daddy because the family has lesbian parents. Mm. And I didn't want anyone to think like, oh, you're just punishing them for their lifestyle choices because the wrong reading of that story. Woof, that is could... a phrase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I made sure to be extra careful in creating this all female family, mm-hmm. but in making sure it made sense to the plot, but also not having those elements of I'm burying the gays because it's a trope. Um, So I found what I hope are creative ways to make everything work on all fronts so that I could have the characters that I want, tell the story that I want and not be a bad ally. Yeah. And so far in that one bit of beta reader feedback I've gotten, there has been no issue on that front. Good. So we'll see what other people say, because obviously there are different opinions. But so far, I feel confident that I have not buried my gaze unnecessarily. <laughs> Quite literally, like only three characters survive that. And only one is human. So <laughs> like, it's, I'm not just burying the gays. Like I'm, I'm burying everyone who gets in the way of Skull Daddy. I'm, I'm going to pitch you another idea. <laughs> <laughs> Separate from uh, uh, Modern Hauntings 2. Um, uh, unbury your gays. Yeah. Uh, zombie. <laughs> zombie the next, story the next zombie collection yeah. <laughs> oh i like um, that i think we are just about through our list of uh, positives here but i, I, I do want to note that like there is an element of economy and speed and mm-hmm. efficiency that comes with um one uh just producing in volume mm-hmm. and two working to deadlines yep um those things are those are super valuable skills to have on the one hand you kind of develop them if you're just writing Mm -hmm. frequently for yourself but you definitely develop them writing in a professionalized environment so yeah i I don't i don't (laughs) i don't know how much we want to dig into that one i think that that that's a very clear benefit Mm -hmm. are there any other like positives that we want to talk about in terms of writing professionally versus like writing for your day job? Or should we uh, start delving into the deep, dark depths? <laughs> yeah, I think I've more or less covered it. Yeah, I feel like I've just got dark stuff left. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we take a quick break? Mm-hmm. I'll step away for two seconds. And then we will come back and talk about the, <laughs> the downsides Yay! of writing for your day job.
Okay, Bishop, let's play a little game while we wait for Trevor to get back. A game sounds like a fun way to pass the time. I hope so. How do we play? Well, I'm gonna plug in my monitor and I'll say some things, and you react to them with the first thing that comes to mind. That sounds like a conversation. It's more than- That was my reaction. Is this not part of the game? Nope. Just warming you up, that's all. Oh. You're in a desert, walking along in the sand, when all of a sudden- you... I do not walk. I have no legs. I know. You're in a desert, walking along in the sand, when- Which one? What? Which desert? Doesn't make any difference. It's a hypothetical. You look down, and you see a tortoise. It's crawling toward you. You read- What is a tortoise? You know what a turtle is? Yes. The same thing. I have never seen a turtle. Reach down, you flip the tortoise over on its back. The tortoise lays on its back, its belly baking in the hot sun, beating its legs, trying to turn itself over, but it can't. Not without your help. But you're not helping. Why would I not be helping? I don't know, you're not helping. You tell me, why is that, Bishop? This feels like a test. Just a game. I get kind of nervous when I take tests. Just answer as quickly as you can. I already had a diagnostic test this week. Okay, let's get back. What's going on? Hello, Trevor. Steph has been teaching me this game. Oh. Shall we play a game? Uh, Bishop, sleep mode, please. Good night, Moon. How much of that did you hear? Just enough to piece together that you are administering a Voight-Kampf test on our little robot friend? Trevor, I'm worried about Bishop. Come on, Steph. They're a robot made out of scrap hardware, not a friggin' replicant from the off-world colonies. What kind of reaction did you think you were gonna- provoke here. That's not what I was trying to do! Was Bishop gonna lash out when you asked them to tell you about their mother? No, it <laughs> was Okay, I... It was what I was trying uh -huh. to do, but it's not what I actually found with the test. What could a 40-year-old movie reference possibly show about Bishop? That they watched the movie. What? Yeah, Bishop was playing along the whole time. They recognized the boy comp and started riffing on it. Responding just like Leon in Blade Runner. No way. And did you not notice the sneaky little War Games reference at the end? No. Well, okay. Yes, it wasn't subtle. So where is Bishop getting all this pop culture stuff? I mean, I give them access to a few databases of stories and whatnot so they could generate writing prompts. Did that database include Blade Runner? I mean, no, probably not. We need to keep an eye on Bishop. Listen, um, I'll look at their logs. I don't think this is a thing. It's probably just somewhere in the original training data for their cognitive model. Like, you think the nerd who made an open source AI framework isn't going to be a Ridley Scott fan? I mean, maybe... Okay, I'll check later, alright? In the meantime, try not to worry about it. Get back to the show. Back to the show. Bishop is okay, probably. Hopefully. <laughs> okay, Steph. If you had to pick, like, a number one top worst thing about writing for your day job. I kind of touched on it before. Now that it's my day job, I can't just be like, you know what? I don't feel all <laughs> that creative today. I'm just not going to write. Like, I have to yeah. because it's my job. I can't just not write because I don't feel like it. Like, there are days where... You know, I mentioned there was that crazy incident to contract clients. Mentally, I was fried. It was yeah. not going to be a good idea for me to try to write anything because it probably all would have been scrapped when I had a second look at it. But that is a valid reason. I was 
dealing with a problem that is also part of my job mm -hmm. that made me cut that as opposed to, oh, I just don't feel like working on edits today. Maybe I'll do something else. Like, no, I have set this timeline for myself. I have to do those edits. Yeah. I can't just not feel like. Yes. Yeah, that is that is very true. And whether those deadlines are like self-imposed as mm -hmm. part of running your own business as a self-published author or they are kind of imposed on you by mm -hmm. program deadlines <laughs> or reporting requirements or what have you like it is that's that's a very real thing like um kind of kind of a double-edged sword mm -hmm. like sometimes you have to even when you don't feel like it but it also trains that part of you mm -hmm. that that finds a way yes definitely a double-edged sword like you have to mm -hmm. You don't have the option. Not, and um, sometimes it is that executive dysfunction where mm -hmm. I struggle moving from one task to the other. And that might be, yeah, I've gotten so focused in the emails that I've had to send for my contract clients that now that the emails are done, my brain just isn't wanting to make the switch. But I know that if I sit down and force myself to do my writing and editing, my brain will eventually catch on and yeah. be like, yep, this is the new task. It's just the transitional struggle. And if I gave up every time the executive <laughs> dysfunction hit, I would not have nearly as much done or published. You just have to push through it sometimes. Um, with that pushing through, though, it, it does it does bring with it um, a certain amount of exhaustion. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you are producing, you know, tens of thousands <laughs> of words during the day for your day job, um, there there are days when the words are simply not going to come. Mm -hmm. You just use up your words. Yep. <laughs> there are no more to be had. Um, and on the one hand, that can be like extremely frustrating. Um, but on the other hand, uh, I am a big proponent of the idea that like typing out the words in your story are kind of the last 20% in mm -hmm. the process rather than the, the first. They are probably the most important because yes. otherwise <laughs> you are just daydreaming. But they are they are not necessarily where you have to start a project mm -hmm. um but yeah like th there is both like the mental exhaustion mm -hmm. where there there is just no rubber left on the tires to generate new ideas mm -hmm. or to put words to ideas that you have developed like putting actual text yeah. to an outline even even if you've rigorously planned a, a story yeah sometimes just mm -hmm. you you cannot force more words but on the other hand there's like literal physical exhaustion mm -hmm. that comes with writing all day yes that like like there are sometimes where i do have words but i'm like i my hands and my back and mm -hmm. my eyes i just like i just can't yeah. focus on my screen and i can't push the keys yeah. anymore I, I can't hunch over a keyboard any um i just have to accept the fact that like my writing today is mm -hmm. physically finished yeah yeah, like I have chronic issues with my neck and back and I do workouts and stretches mm -hmm. and all sorts of little things to help me make it through an entire workday. But every once in a while, you're going to have a bad day where it's like an hour left of my scheduled work. Can't sit in this damn chair anymore. Yeah. But I think all of that comes down to going to sound all woo, like know yourself and listen to your body. And, you know, if you know that the only thing in your way is, yeah. yeah, I'm just having a procrastination day versus I am not okay right now. Like yeah. knowing the difference, knowing like when to just get your butt in the chair and force yourself to do the work versus I am done and any work I do now will not be good work 
because I have reached that point and mm-hmm. learning to recognize when certain measures should be taken, whether that's forcing yourself in the chair or forcing yourself out. of. I I also don't want to discount that there are going to be some times when like you have the juice Mm -hmm. and your body is not cooperating that um, depending on your level of ability, Mm -hmm. sometimes forcing it is going to be the right choice. Yes. Sometimes there are days where I'm like, okay, I know exactly what I have to write. I literally have the Mm -hmm. words. My eyes are dry my back is jacked up Mm -hmm. because I've been hunching over somebody else's script all day. Mm -hmm. Like I have been um, like my hands are claws Mm -hmm. from typing and using the mouse, but like I I see it. I Mm -hmm. have the thing. So I'm going to put some eye drops in. I'm going to take some Advil. I'm going to do some stretching. I'm going to work my hands out Mm -hmm. and I'm going to put in an hour, hour and a half and just, um, just get the words down because I have them. I have the words. Um, but again, that's, that's recog- su- yeah, that's recognizing that yes, the situation isn't ideal, but you know how to make it ideal through the eye drops you, and the you, Advil. You know how to make it functional. Yes, but that's also not sustainable mm-hmm. in the long term. Yeah, so, like, like you should you not be, be doing that every day. No, and like I've I've, I've said this before in relation to things mm-hmm. like nano, especially if you have constrained creative. Then there are sometimes when you like you see, oh, I'm going to have these windows, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to treat them as a sprint. Yeah, and then if you don't then you've lost that time mm-hmm. and cannot get it back. Yeah. And so you have to make the choice to sacrifice a little bit to, mm-hmm. to get through it. But you have to identify windows of time mm-hmm. where you're going to do that and yes. not push it forever because you will burn yourself. You will suffer and your work will suffer and nobody is going to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like because I had delays at the beginning of November, come the end of the month, I knew there were days where I'm like, okay, I don't care how I'm feeling. I have to power through today. Yeah. And get as much done as possible. And is that sustainable in the long run? No. Yeah. But you can I do re- it for those last yeah. two weeks, but you can't do it for those two exactly. weeks and then the next five weeks all the way yeah. through the And it's recognizing like, okay, this is a day where between both my clients, I don't have a lot of emails. Yeah. Um, sure, maybe I'm tired and mentally like getting burned out, mm-hmm. but today is the day that I need to make that and then you do it and maybe you're exhausted after, but it helps being able to recognize like, this is the time. Yes. Like this is when you're scraping the inside of your tank for your energy <laughs> reserves. But again, don't do that every day. Cause that's awful. Yeah. Um, those are like the, the main ones for mm-hmm. me is like the, the, um, I have no, I've given all my words today. I have no words left. Um, And I I have words left to give, but my body does not want Mm -hmm. to cooperate. Those are kind of, we talked a little bit about the flattening of the default voice, Mm -hmm. which is genuinely a challenge that I have to work to overcome now. Um, And like, if, if you've, if you've got a day job that includes writing, sometimes that day job spills into the evening, which would normally be your creative writing time. Um, and you just like, you have to put words on the page mm-hmm. for your day job. Sometimes, again, sometimes there are deadlines. Yeah. Sometimes, um, you were not able to be as productive during mm-hmm. some days. There are just meetings. Yeah. Some days are just all meetings and don't, in- mm-hmm. don't allow for like the writing time that you yeah. need. And so you have to take work home. Um, I have one contract client who is very good about texting. Everything okay. is a text. Um, if it's something a little longer, I get sent a voice message. Um, if I have a meeting about anything, it is planned in advance. Like I am asked, what is your schedule for this? Blah, blah, blah. The other contract client, surprise, the phone's ringing. You've got a meeting <laughs> you weren't expecting um, because that's just the way that that person works. And sometimes with the urgency of the stuff they deal with, it makes sense of, 
oh no, something's happened we weren't expecting. I have to call Stephanie immediately. Totally fine. Some days I am spending so long answering emails, booking appointments on two completely different booking sites and softwares. And it's like, oh, um, it is now past lunchtime. I have done absolutely none of my own writing and editing. Um, but damn, I got a yeah. lot of other work done. Yeah, highly productive, but eats into yes. your your personal writing time productive but not in the way that yeah, i exactly hoped. um do you have do you have other deep dark challenges that come with not necessarily a challenge but more just a shift um okay when i was in my late early 20s just with some of the mental health stuff I was going through. Oh, my parents mm. were getting a divorce that's a whole other topic entirely <laughs> um I use writing as a form of escapism. Okay. And all of my writing was just for me. And of course, there was that little part of maybe someday I'll be a published author and someone will read this. And now that I'm in my 30s looking back, I'm like, no one's ever going to read that. <laughs> um, but I can't use that as escapism anymore. Um, and sure, I can escape into my stories as I am living, breathing them for editing and writing purposes but I'm not using them as a place to run away to anymore. Yeah. And these are not like little personal introspections or writing projects that no one else is ever going to see. It's I am intending for lots of people to see this. And I sure if you've read anything I've written, my personal traumas inspire and inform mm. a lot of what I write, but I'm not going to info dump like, Oh, I didn't have a good relationship with this parent because blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, yeah, sure. In some of my stories and lines, you're like, <laughs> Oh, I can see there's some issues there, but I'm not going to, you know, yeah. do like two thousands kids, like venting on writing for somebody else is not your opportunity to trauma dump. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I can use that trauma station for this character. And what if they don't get along with their dad, but they're trying real hard and perfect. It's going to make well-rounded fleshed out character. I can take yeah. my own trauma and go, you know what? I didn't have it quite that bad, but what if I dialed <laughs> up this one section to 11? I mean, again, bringing up silver. I like to tell people that that story is based on something that Mark and I lived through. Yep. Um, Super gross. And so I took the bare bones. Was that the apartment that we moved you out of when yes. you moved here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I see it. It's so gross. <laughs> um, yeah, the the bugs. It was... Okay, <laughs> um, here's the trigger warning for anyone listening right now. The bugs raining down from the ceiling, that was real. Now, not in the staff, no, not in the biblical I'm proportions that I write in the story, but we had those bowl light fixtures in the ceiling, and uh, yes, yeah, very similar to the one you are looking at now, Trevor. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna move over here. Yep, you could see all of this would be darkness no. from the little corpses. And because it was an older building that was not properly maintain maintained, they could get out of that if they were still alive. No. We had one of those lights above our bed. So the scene in that story... Thanks, I hate it. Yeah. The scene in that story where bugs are falling out of the ceiling and onto the bed, that actually happened. Yeah. I reached out to grab my phone because um, back then I was working the opening shift at a Starbucks. I had to wake up at 3.30 in the morning every day, which was not fun. Believe it. My alarm went off and I reached over 
to turn off the alarm on my phone and there were bugs on my bedside table. So yeah, the events in that story actually happened. Just styled up. Yeah, and so I just... <laughs> a little bit. The characters are loosely based on me and Mark. Yeah. But I changed them a little. Um, we had two... You added unlikable parts for that one beta reader. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we had two cats at the time, but I yeah. felt the story would do better with only one cat. Uh, so I made Max the star of the story. He was our scene good boy. Um, and then any scene involving bugs, I took the normal amount of bugs that Mark and I experienced. The normal amount of which bugs. Which was, oh God, we had to throw out... Still too many bugs. We had to throw out an entire vacuum because it was just filled with little... Just choked to death with bugs. Yeah, bug corpses. I, like, I wish I was exaggerating. And so then I took the I wish I was exaggerating numbers and I actually exaggerated them to the point <laughs> where it's like a wave of bugs spilling down the staircase. Yeah. So that story is based on fact. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I. But it's different. Like you, you are you even in doing so, mm -hmm. like you have to be considerate of your audience. And I don't yes. mean that in being like, oh, I'm going to dial this back because people have problems with bugs but <laughs> this is horror i dial but, everything up <laughs> but like i no longer get to just kind of like turn inward yeah in this like i have to be mindful of mm -hmm. how i am producing this for an audience yeah. well and you know so i'm not using it as escapism or therapy anymore but yeah. i am taking that i'm taking what i've lived through as inspiration and like with cold cuts and cigarettes i mentioned that's inspired by my uncle's funeral now does that mean my dad is an alcoholic who couldn't cope with his zombie brother's death. No, that's not at all what happened. I just took, He was totally fine with his zombie brother's death. I mean, yeah. <laughs> my, you know, I took aspects of my uncle's death and kind of wove that into Bob's narrative. Um, they both died in completely different ways. I will be very clear <laughs> about that. There was no cancerous cat involved. Um, that cat, however, is slightly based off of my cat Minerva. Uh, there's little bits in there. Uh, my dad is not an alcoholic. Uh, my sister is not in a physically abusive relationship, but I took aspects of their personalities and wove it into the characters who would fit well in that in that circumstance. So there's a little bit of my sister in Dan, but Danny and my sister are nothing alike, if that hmm. makes any sense. Yeah. There's a little bit of me in the narrator, but I am not the narrator. So, yeah. Um, is there anything else that we want to talk about? I think the, I think we have mostly exhausted our lists. Um, unless you have anything else for the negatives. Otherwise, we can move on to uh, recommendations. Yeah, I think I've dealt with everything on my list in some form. Nice. As I had never planned on <laughs> because planting is the way yeah. to go. We find things in discovery. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, do you have a recommendation for this week? I do. Okay. Uh, this week, I'm going to wreck a graphic novel. Um, I read it a couple weeks ago, and it's just been on my mind. Pontology by Jeremy Hahn. Um, okay. Oh, I gotta show you the cover. It's beautiful. Um, where is it? Okay, I organize everything alphabetically. How am I struggling? Um, so it's a very hipster-looking Cthulhu on the front. Okay. Haunt, haunt, for, for the listener, it is spelled haunt. Hology. <laughs> hauntology. Hauntology. Yes. So, uh, oh. Because his, his last name Haunt. is Hahn. There's also, like, haunt? In it? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I have discovered since 2020 that one of my new, not guilty pleasures, I don't <laughs> feel guilty about it, but probably because the pandemic, my writing, I love seeing how the pandemic changed art, whether that's okay. making movies and TV, writing books, and even just like I just recently finished reading The Strain. Mm -hmm. And that book was written before 2020. <laughs> but reading it after 2020, it's like, oh. Is The Strain Guillermo del Toro? Yes, it okay. is. Um, so I love seeing how the pandemic has affected both past and future mm -hmm. works of art. I, I, want, I want the inevitable book to be like, to, to just go through all of the media and mm -hmm. be like, what was this supposed to be? And then yeah. what did it become? Yeah. Um, like off the top of my head. Uh, no Time to Die, mm. right? The Bond movie, 100%. That ended up changing because of the pandemic. Well, and I know the, um, oh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That they, was going to be the other thing yeah, that I was going to bring up. they had to change the story because it was going to be about a virus. And they're yeah. like, um, maybe not. So <laughs> I, I love stuff like that. Or seeing all of the horror movies that were mm. made where it's all found footage over Zoom screens. Yep. Because they could still make a movie without having actors in the same room. Love that stuff. Super clever. And so Hauntology is a graphic novel. You can clearly see that pandemic influence. Um, in reading some of the author's like notes and stuff, I was like, this kind of feels like me. Mm -hmm. Where it was pandemic and he didn't know what to do. And he just wrote little stories. And then he put all the little stories into a book. And some of, <laughs> some of the horror stories, it's like... Uh, yes, this is just normal horror. And others, it's like, this was very influenced by the pandemic. Like, there right. is a woman ordering Amazon package after Amazon package. Like, that that was pandemic life for some people. So mm -hmm. it's fascinating. And some of the stories are a few pages long. Some are panels long. Some have more drawn out lore. Some are just like, boom, here's a horrible thing. Deal with it. So <laughs> I particularly enjoyed this graphic awesome and the art is pretty nice um yeah i i think i think i have two recommendations for very different reasons um my first is a negative recommendation uh -oh. in that it's, it's not saying um avoid this but it is saying know that this is bad but i think it's illuminating so i finally got around to watching indiana jones and the dial of destiny oh. that movie is rough that movie is rough in ways that um, I did not expect it to be mm -hmm. rough. Um, also, also, okay. Also, <laughs> the glasses have come off. Also, don't name the MacGuffin in your movie after a real famous artifact if it is going to be completely not no. that. Just don't. Just don't. Because anybody with a passing interest in archaeology is going to know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but Dial of Destiny is, like, we're talking about voice and consistency and being able to return to voice and being mm -hmm. able to, like, planning a project and see the big picture um, and working within a corporate structure mm -hmm. with deadlines and multiple contributors. Dial of Destiny is the way to not succeed on any of those fronts. That movie, th the movie ended and I'm like, I don't know this for a fact, but I know it to be true. They were running up against the outer limit of when they could have Harrison Ford mm. do this and they had to ship something. And so this is a product of multiple different visions and multiple different uh. drafts from different writers. That is absolutely the case. And so I go on Wikipedia and sure enough, there are two directors attached to the project mm. and five. Yikes. Yeah. Right? Um, with the earliest development of this movie going back to 2006 and the first draft of the script in 2016. 
sorry, 2008 and 2016 respectively. So like when you are not hitting those marks, it shows. And Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever felt it in a movie as much as in Dial of Destiny. And and so like, if you like watching bad movies Mm -hmm. and learning from them, (laughs) if you like, like maybe reading bad books and learning from them, um, it is a real, it is a real educational hate watch. Mm. (laughs) I was so disappointed um, but like, I know exactly how it got there. Yeah. I know exactly how it got there. Uh, and, and so being able to kind of pick apart the ways in which it fails as a creative work based on those constraints, like, uh, it's, it's really interesting to see. Um, real bummer, real, real yeah. bummer for a lot of reasons. I, I don't know if you've seen it. I have not watched it yet. Okay. No, I yeah. heard it wasn't the greatest. So although I do love Indiana Jones, uh, it keeps getting shuffled to the bottom of my never-end-to-watch list. That's which, probably where it belongs, Steph. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm and, behind on Doctor Who and the fall of the House of Usher. Like, I got other priorities. And I'm like, well, and, and, and I don't watch much right mm-hmm. now. I watch Doctor Who, mm-hmm. three hours spread over three weeks. Nice. That fit in the schedule <laughs> just fine. I made time for Indiana Jones stuff. <laughs> But yeah, and like I'm a Crystal Skull apologist. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of liked what they did with the setting in mm-hmm. that movie, and the bad things in that movie were atrocious. Yeah, like there were good elements in that movie. Totally. Yeah, like the good the good indie stuff in mm-hmm. that movie was like some I, I think some actually top notch Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the bad stuff. It's just truly, yeah. <laughs> truly heinously bad. Um, but yeah, Di- Dial of Destiny was uh, an educational disappointment for me. And I'm going to be thinking about the exact ways in which it failed as a product mm. for a long time. Um, what a disappointment. On the flip side, Steph, I don't know if you noticed, but the world's a bit of a mess right now. Um, <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of bad stuff. Why do you me. think I write horror? And, <laughs> <laughs> um and um, I, I have I have been a longtime fan of uh, I don't know that I've ever actually said this name, uh, certainly not on a recording but like Murakami. Oh yeah. Um, I've I've loved his work for a long, long time. There's something about like the dreamlike way that uh, that he writes that really really speaks to my sensibilities. He has a short story collection called After the Quake that I read a little while ago that I've been thinking about recently, and it is about how people reorder their lives after mm-hmm. experiencing a collective trauma and with politics being the way it is right now yeah. and with geopolitics being the way it is right now you know I, I feel like we are in a lot of ways feeling acute after effects of COVID-19 mm-hmm. um, while it is still among us yep. in a very real and pressing way uh, exploring the ways in which people can um in imperfect and often beautiful ways respond to a collective trauma, mm-hmm. I think was, was healing. And I kind of want to go back and, and reread after the quake. The world is, I mean, it's always worse. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I am fundamentally a hopeful person, but I just kind of want to acknowledge that it is a mess <laughs> and that uh, literature can help us with that. Yeah. Either exploring which again, worse or, yeah. <laughs> or, or could be worse or like the ways in which, Maybe we have the ability to still connect with people and grow beyond. I think I made a TikTok about that maybe a couple months ago. Where I was like, there's two kinds of writers. <laughs> the first kind is, life is horrible. So I'm going to create a world where, you know, things go according to plan or the world that I want, want to live in. You know, there's hope for the future. And then the second type is me, yeah. um, where it's, 
The world is a dark and disturbing place, and I thrive off the chaos. <laughs> um, so yes. <laughs> the I think um, I think after the quake bulls right down the middle, mm. the world is is an awful and challenging and hard place, and yet there are moments of beauty mm. in, the, in the tragedy, and uh, I like that because that feels that feels honest. Mm. Steph, you've got a bunch of books and stories and stuff yes. available right now. Do you want to run the list real quick Absolutely. and then we'll say so long? This has been a long one. Stand in front of the bookshelf so I don't mess anything up because I'm <laughs> tired. All right, so the. Original three, we've got Please Rate Your Satisfaction and Other Unsettling Stories. If you like robots, aliens, and just sad endings, uh, that's the one for you. They See Me and Other Haunting Stories, Ghosts and Serial Killers, and probably one of the most popular covers I have had done uh, by my friend Emily. I'm gonna. She is an amazing graphic oh, yeah, designer. It's very good. And I totally want to get more covers from her because she's fabulous. Uh, the third one, Coping Mechanism and Other Disturbing Stories. Uh, disturbing, disturbing, disturbing. And if you want to read about all of these <laughs> bugs that I talked about, that is the one. And then the newest, my baby, uh, <laughs> Falling Apart, a collection of zombie stories. Um, all of these, you can get the ebooks or print on demand through my website, stephanieannauthor.ca, or uh, the comic book shop on Bank Street. Uh, it is called the comic book shop. I'm not just <laughs> saying random store. They have all four of my books. At the moment, Spaniel's Tale in Hindenburg only has coping mechanism, and Evermore Tattoos in Petawawa has the three original collections, but does not have falling apart. My books are slowly spreading <laughs> into the world. That's so cool. And you've got some some bonus stories Yes, I completely right forgot that I just put those yeah. out this week. So it started three Christmases ago, <laughs> where I had a short story that was originally supposed to be part of Please Rate Your Satisfaction. It got cut. And I thought, you know what? let's give this out as a holiday gift just for the people. And so it, that one is the board of directors for free on my website. And then the following year I had a short story that didn't make it into coping mechanism called rogue truck theory. So I was like, you know what? That'll be a holiday. Gift. This year I went crazy. <laughs> yes, um, you did. The, very unlike me, but I had fun. So for April Fools this year, I made some cutesy dummy covers and was like, I'm changing genres and writing romance. <laughs> um, so I made joke covers for I married a monster, I dated a demon, and I fucked a fish man. And the response I got from those was incredible. And so when I was trying to figure out what to do for this year's holiday gift, I went, let's see about this. <laughs> so I wrote three monster romance stories, but I did them my way. Um, so I Married a Monster is actually kind of depressing when I stop to think about it. Um, it's really sad. The, the spouse is a monster in both senses of the word. They are oh, no. an abusive spouse who also has tentacles. Um, <laughs> 
So yes, uh, that if you want to be upset over the holidays, that's the one. Uh, the other two, I dated a demon and I fucked a fish man, ended up a little sillier. Partly, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> partly because Mark gave me some ideas. He's like, what if you put this into a story? Fine. And I went, I could make that fit. <laughs> um, so there are there are some silly moments, um, a little bit of a play on words in I Dated a Demon, uh, where you want to be very careful what you say to the demon, mm. because they could interpret it in a very different way. So those two are a little sillier, but I still added my nice dark elements of, yeah, one person's body gets, um, gets the Hellraiser effect, let's oh, say. My. So yeah, monster romance done my way, and those are completely free. And so far, I've been tracking the downloads. They've been doing well. Who knows? Maybe someday there could be a whole collection <laughs> of these weird and twisted monster romances gone wrong. Wonderful. I'm so excited to have so much of your work to read over the next few weeks, because I have beta feedback to give you also all of these new stories that you've put mm -hmm. out. Um, Steph. There we go. Instagram, stephanie.and.author. Uh, TikTok, stephanie.and.author. Twitter or X. Um, I'm not going to promote that one because yep. I think I'm going to just, you know, 2024, I'm making a lot of changes. I'm changing up my blog. I think I'm just going to get rid of Twitter and X. Yeah, I'm, sounds, I'm making this official. Okay. I've been waffling for too long. <laughs> Committing to it here. Um, so Instagram and TikTok and then Facebook, Stephanie Ann Author. And then obviously the website, stephanieannauthor.ca. And Trevor, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on various socials. Search for Love Make Share, uh, and you'll find something that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> I have been, eh, we should maybe talk about social media uh, as a writer yeah. and like building author brands because oh, I've God, been feeling yeah. real, real uh, not great about social media recently yeah. and haven't been using it. Uh, yeah, I don't I have, know that I feel bad about it. I have a lot of talking about that. So yeah. maybe let's make that add it to the list. Yeah. But yeah. In the meantime, uh, search for love, make share. Um, you'll find, uh, I've been doing some 3d printing stuff hmm. recently that is on my Instagram, <laughs> um, Twitter slash X for however long that lasts, mm -hmm. likely not long, uh, Instagram and, uh, as well as, uh, YouTube love, make share TV and love, make share .ca. As we've already proven, I am on social media more than Trevor is. <laughs> so if you cannot find him, Send me a DM and I will help you find Trevor. <laughs> you can be my virtual assistant yes. as well. <laughs> yeah, I'll do virtual reception for everyone. Yeah. As well, you can find the show, uh, show notes, recommendations. Got a, a back catalog of all of our recommendations up yes. there. As well as show notes, links, writing prompts. There okay. is still a writing prompt up from our last episode because we have been sick and haven't recorded an episode. Um, so take a look at that. Uh, submit a prompt, uh, submit a prompt, submit a story. story based on yes. a prompt. <laughs> I, I know we keep promising that we're going to read them. It will happen. We have yes. talked about it. Yeah. Just remind everybody that you can, uh, in addition to the website, you can also email the show at writing and robots at gmail.com. 
Steph, thank you so much for hanging out for this um, this feature length episode. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I feel like today we've just gone off on so many tangents. We have, but <laughs> that's because we also haven't seen each other in a while. It's really nice to be able to hang out a little. Like bit. today started off as just yeah, we're going to talk about right. It's your job, but I think we've talked about a lot more than that. We have. Listen, any chance to talk about the swing and a miss that is sci-fi's defiance, I will jump all over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on that fairly declarative. Yes. I <laughs> think thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you again soon. <laughs> <laughs>